0: Uh, t- tonight's class was sponsored by Tzivia Goldberg. And this is in honor of, yesterday was the yard site, of a dear, dear, dear special lady who used to attend the Mayan classes more than anybody else. And that was Bracha Bracha Finkelstein. And yesterday was a yard site. Bracha le'echava bas shmuel. So, may this year be to our Nishama Neshama for her and raise her soul to the greatest of heights. I'm sure she still attends all the classes as she did before, but I don't see her. So, I would say, Hi, Bracha. It's nice to have you here. I'm sure you're here tonight as well. And uh, one day you'll tell us what's going on over there, what's taking so long, why Mashiach isn't here yet. I'm sure you know, because up there they've, Mashiach must be there already, just down here in this last outer 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 skin level of consciousness It's we're still waiting so you can also tell them up there that we're getting impatient down here okay thank you another dedication today was by Shimon and Yael Shuler Yael Davida Shuler this is for brachas for the whole family and particularly we got should, for Shidduch in the family Shem should give whoever needs a Shidduch in the family the best Shidduch and they should get married and find the right one and I'm sure you'd like to bench all those who are out looking for their right one. They should find them easily on time without any heartache and soul ache and everything should be good. Okay, thanks for the dedication. Now we are, hold on. We are ready to start. Ready to start. Here we go. Let me just make sure this is not going to ring me. All right. Okay, so this week is Parshas Pinchas, and it's the first Shabbos that is going to be within the three weeks, even though this past Shabbos was already in the three weeks. Because the 17th of Tammuz is a period called the three weeks. Three weeks is generally not the happiest time of the year. The time of national mourning. And the mourning is we mourn the destruction of the temple and the, and the onset of the Jewish exile, which we're still waiting for its redemption, which will bring about the redemption of the entire world. And that happened close to 2,000 years ago, 1950 50 something years. I didn't count right before the class, but something like that. So that's a pretty, pretty long time. And every year, this period of time in the summer, around July and August, it's around the time that it comes out, there's a three-week period, it begins in Shabbat, the 17th of Tammuz, which in our case was very good this year because it came on on Shabbos, and Shabbos we didn't have to fast, generally it's a fast day, Shabbos we didn't fast, and the fast was bumped, to Sunday yesterday was a fast day, and then um, it concludes on the 9th of of, it's exactly a 21-day period, the 9th of of, uh, in which we fast again because that's the day that the temple was destroyed you see on the 17th of Tammuz the city the 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 the, the destroyers whether it was the Babylonians they were the uh they destroyed the first temple or the romans who destroyed the second temple it's a question i think if the babylonians also broke into the city on the 17th of tammuz i think uh the babylonians broken on a different day but the Romans definitely broke into the city by the second temple on the seventeenth day of Tammuz. It took them three weeks because there were street um, house-to-house battles, and the Jews were defending the city very heroically, and they were especially defending the temple. And it was only until the ninth of of oh, three weeks later that the murderous Roman army managed to make its way to the temple and set the temple on fire. But that's the three-week period. Every and there's certain laws which. Uh, our laws of mourning, we don't make weddings just during this time. We shouldn't listen to live music or maybe even not music uh, recorded. And um, we don't take haircuts during this time. And don't, we don't wear new, buy new clothing, things like that. We tone down generally the joy during these three weeks and it gets a little harsher. It like starts pretty intense and it gets more intense the last nine days. Fine. That's the three-week period. Now the good news this year is that it started started on Shabbos and it included on Shabbos. Tisha B'av is also going to be on Shabbos, and hopefully, it's going to Shabbos cancels the fast. So even the ninth of Av, which is such a severe fast, we don't fast, and it gets bumped again to Sunday. Let's well, hope that this year. It's like the Talmud says, that once it's bumped, it should be bumped completely. It should be nullified completely. And not only that, it should flip over and turn over to the greatest holiday. And that's what we're going to talk about in today's class. Why, what is special about this year in terms of special connection to, to the three weeks? That this year has a special, special segula, special quality that we should finally end the sorrow and darkness of this most darkest and saddest time of the year. And we should turn it over and flip it over to the happiest time of the year. And that has to do with the very notion that the time that it's called, it's called the three weeks. Now, we've those who have been paying attention and listening to, my, to our classes over here at Mayon, you know that in the last two years, we were fascinated and discussing the awesomeness of number three. Three is a very good number, a very powerful number, a very Jewish number, a very holy number. And three has to do with the rectification of the entire world. Um, all the good stuff are associated with three. As we once discussed, the Jewish people are a people of three. It's Kohanim, Levim, and Israelim We're divided into three groups. The Torah is a triple Torah. The scripture is divided into three parts. The Torah, the five books, the prophets, and the writings. And so we went on to speak of so many other things. So many other things that are um, associated uh, with uh, the awesome number of number three. Um, And the excitement is that this year, whether maybe this year, or last year, one of the two years, as we discussed in a previous class, called which year is the three three three, is three thousand three hundred and thirty three years since the giving of the Torah, or since we went out of, the we went out in the year two four four eight, and according to that, if we go out and went out in the year two four four eight, then this year, which is five seven eight, the last year. The year 5,781 would be 3,333 years since we went out of um, Egypt and since we stood at Sinai and we got the Torah. But as we discussed, and last year this was something that we we were really talking about, but last year passed and we didn't receive the revealed goodies yet. Um, So we have another chance this year because this year again, as I made it, I made an adjustment—not my adjustment. I saw this in the in the talks of the Rebbe, where the Rebbe says that you can count three, 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 the year thirty-three hundred, or there he's talking about three thousand three hundred. You can count it from the year two four four eight, or you can really count it from the year two four four nine, because I'm not going to get into it right now. I explained this in another class. The 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 the, the actual year that we went out of out of Mitzrayim even though we are familiar saying it was in the year 2448, that's based on a different calendar, which has a one year discrepancy with our calendar. We count the creation, the calendar where we count the creation, it would be 2000 or we count our calendar, uh, which is the creation. Then the going out of Egypt would have been in the year, which should be counted as the year 2449. Based on that, 3,333 years is this year, the year um, 5782. Now this year has many, many, many more pointers. This year is an enormous year because as discussed, this year is a Shemitah year and regarding the coming of Mashiach, the sages tell us that Mashiach comes at the conclusion of a Shemitah year. This year has all the energy of that as well. In addition to the, we thought, we discussed how this year it comes out a doubling of the time from Adam to David, from Adam to King David and from David until, until now would be exact doubling of the time. So he David, this, that we pray that the throne of King David should be restored is most apropos this year. And it helps us to, to see, that all governments in the world are laying in a, in a situation without leadership, including the government in Israel doesn't really have a legitimate government right now. Some make-believe government, the government that they had collapsed, now they're just holding it together just because they want to run the country. But there is no true government. The United States has shown itself as being utterly leader, leaderless, and so is with many other places. So we're, we're seeing this big vacuum. And that's because the world is screaming so loudly, we are ready for Mashiach. Now, that being said, what does it have to do with this particular period of time, the three weeks? And the answer is exactly that number. Since we are using number three, and the, the greatness of three, 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 is that it's three, 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 so many times three, because three is the significant number of bringing perfection to the creation, and bringing the world to its ultimate purpose. So let's for a moment, stop a moment, and analyze the concept of the three weeks, and why it's called the three weeks. You see, if we would be following biblical um, language, we wouldn't refer to this time as the three weeks. We would refer to it as the 21 days. Three weeks are 21 days. The question is, how are we calling it? We would refer to it as the 21 days. If we follow the Haftorah, which we're going to read this Shabbos, this Shabbos, um, uh, Pashas Pinchas, the Haftorah we're going to read, which is the portion of the, of the Navi, of the of the prophet that we read, is from Yirmiyahu, the beginning of Yirmiyahu, the first chapter of Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah. And over there, uh, uh, um, Yermiel was shown a vision. And the vision that he's shown is of a... St- a stick from a um, almond, an almond stick, an almond, a, a, a branch, a stick that has been taken from an almond tree, and Hashem shows it to him. And the reason, as Rashi explains, that Hashem is showing him that stick, a stick is a rod, a rod of punishment. And Yermiyo, we know is the Navi of the destruction. That's why his name is Yermiyo. Yermiyo comes from the word bitterness, mar. Because he gives us the bitter, the bitter prophecies. He's telling the Jewish people the hard stuff. The stuff they didn't want to hear. And obviously he was in enormous pain for having to having to relate these prophecies. Prophecies of the destruction. In any case, um, in this nevuah, Hashem shows him a rod. Which is, the rod represents the, the beating rod. This was a beating stick. This was a club. And God says, I'm going to clobber you. And the the upcoming um, upcoming destruction that was pending in those days was a threatening staff, a threatening stick. But that stick could have been taken from any tree. Why was it made in a way that the stick was taken from an almond tree? So Rashi already explains. The reason is because Hashem says, I'm going to, don't think this is going to take very long. It's coming pretty, it's coming fast. He's trying to say that the, this trouble is not a long way down the road, but he's, God is saying it's imminent. It's going to happen very quickly. And that's why he's using the almond tree, because almonds are the fastest growing fruit. It, it takes three weeks from when the almond, 21 days from the, when the almond begins to, it's beginning, it's very, very start to being produced, until the almond is completed, You have already completed almonds in 21 days. You don't have any fruit that has such speed development. So the almond is representing that the punishment is going to come swift. So you see that when the Torah is talking about and how swift, so Rashi says it's going to be and it's 21 days, which is telling us that also a sign that the swiftness is once the punishment comes, in other words, once the Roman legions are going to come to the walls of the city and they're going to break through. You're not going to be able to defend it too long in 3 weeks the, the the complete brunt of the destruction is going to be upon you. It's going to crush you after completely after 3 weeks, which is after 21 days. So you see the Torah is using the period of time that the Torah is using to as the threat and as the way the Torah sees this period of time is 21 days, known as the Bain Hamtsarim. This sad period of time. Yet, the custom is no one says, no one uses the term the 21 days. When someone says, you know, what is the halacha? Am I allowed to take a haircut in the 21 days? No one knows what they're talking about. 21 days is not, 21 days is not the customary usage of this term of time. No one refers to it as the days. People refer to it just as the three weeks. So we need to understand why are we not using the Torah term and picking up, and even in Halacha you see, like the Taz, and even in Torah, it brings the term three weeks on this period of time. Shaloi Shavuos, three weeks. Not in Yiddish you say the dry Vachen, the three weeks. Everybody knows when you say the dry Vachen, you say the three weeks. In, in, in Jewish, uh, lit- uh, uh, you know, this talk, folk talk, and just talk. Everybody knows the three weeks is referring to this gloomy period of time during the summer. So why the three weeks? Why not the days, the 21 days, which would be, see, our way of referring things are always based on Torah. In Torah, there is no mention in the early story of Torah of three weeks. It's 21 days, like as we discussed of that, um, of that staff. Why the notion of the three weeks? And the answer is because when we are looking at this time, we are seeing it not for its external shell. When we look at this period of time and we see it just for what it appears like, then it would be 21 days. 21 days would tell us a story of punishment, a, a story of, of betrayal. A story of a broken relationship, a story of a people exiled from its land, of a story of holocausts and persecutions and bloodshed and rivers of tears and oceans of tears. That's what 21 days tell us. When we hear three weeks, the message is completely different. Three weeks is a very, very uplifting message because in the by calling it number in the number three weeks, we are actually speaking about the real, real, real greatness. We're calling it number three because we're really talking about the third temple. That's why we're calling it three weeks. So when you hear the three weeks, you should hear the third temple. We also know that this redemption is the third redemption in the sense that there were three times that the Jewish people are coming to the land of, even though we had more redemptions technically, but there were three times that there was an ingathering gathering of the exiles. One of them was from Egypt to the land of Israel. The other one was after the Babylonian and Persian exile, which returned to Israel the second time. And the third one is going to be the gathering of the of the, of the Jewish people back to Israel from the four corners of the earth. And that is in this Geula. This Geula is called Geula Hashlishis. And the Baisamigdash, everybody knows, it's called Baisamigdash Hashlishi. So we don't refer to it as 21 days. We refer to it as the three weeks. Because we want to sense and feel the number three. Because three is the powerful good number. So as much as that is felt every year, this year it has to be so much more. Because this year is the year of three, 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 three. So we shouldn't feel, we shouldn't see 21 days. We should only see number three. The awesomeness of number three. We should be so excited that it's the three weeks. That we are now touching the third temple. We are touching number three. So let's understand that a little deeper. So first, a little bit of an understanding in general of this whole period of time. To understand and to appreciate. It's a dark time. It's a time of pain and suffering. Yet it's happening in God's world. So if we have a period of dark time happening in God's world, we have to take a moment and stop and say that since God is the backdrop of all of existence, or He is the substance of what everything is made up of, And in him there is not one ounce of no good because he is good. So therefore everything that's happening within the space of God, which is all of existence, all of the universe must be good. That's rule number one. It's a tough bullet sometimes to bite because sometimes when you're suffering and you're going through something very difficult and hard, it's hard to accept that. But That's the reality. Since I mean, this is the ultimate truth. Since everything that happens is happening within the context of the world, and the world is swallowed up in God, God is enveloping all of existence from the outside and permeating all of existence from the inside. And even more than that, he is the substance of all of existence, and he is absolute goodness, so there can only be good in existence. So then watch with all the bad stuff. That becomes a big question. What's with all, and that's why the Jewish response to every situation should be and is gamzu latova. This too is for the good. That's the way we should train ourselves. Gamzu latova. This too is for the good. And as discussed once in a class, that there are two expressions to 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 express the concept of gamzu latova. One is called the avod rachman or the which means everything that God does is for the good. That's what Rabbi Akiva once said when he had a whole story with his donkey and his and his lamp went out. He was he was no one wanted to let him into a house. He came to a village and they wanted to and he, and there wasn't even one nice person who gave him lodging. So he ended up sleeping outside of the town and he had a donkey and he had a lamp and he had a rooster to wake him up. He would travel always with his alarm clock and then. Um, Suddenly, a wind came and blew out his lamp, and, and uh, the donkey, I think, died, or and, 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 and a lion or someone came and ate his rooster. And in the end, there was nothing there for him. And he was like, it was like a, he's now he's out in the cold, doesn't have sleeping out in the field, he has nothing with him. And, when he, and he said, What did he say? He knew whatever God does is for the good. And the morning, it turned out he realized that that night, that whole town was ransacked. By, 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 by a whole group of murderous uh, mercenaries, whoever they were, that came in and literally wiped out and killed everybody in that town. And had him been outside, they had they seen him out there, they would have killed him as well. And but because he didn't have the lamp, and because he didn't have his his, his his donkey, his donkey would have brayed, would have made noise, and the rooster would have, would have cock a doodle whatever it would have done, and all that would have made, given him away. And now it didn't. So he said everything is good, and that's the way it was. But that's one expression. There's another expression that says, this too is good. So the Rebbe explains, very interesting, the difference between these two expressions are, everything is for the good means that what you are experiencing now is really not good. It just has a good purpose. So then there could be something that is not good, but it will serve a better purpose. It's for a good reason. But this two is for the good, the emphasis that this two is for the good, is that this itself is good. Although I might not see it now, but this is good. Not just it's for a later good, but this itself is good. Which tells us regarding the exile, which includes all pain and suffering that comes and stems from what happened during this three-week period. During this three-week period, it opened up the door for all the suffering that the Jewish people have been through and in many ways the suffering for the rest of the world because as we we're soon going to see when the temple stood there was immense blessing for all of mankind not only for the jewish people from the beis Amigdash came blessing for the entire world but since the beis Amigdash was destroyed a lot of a lot of darkness a lot of suffering a lot of a lot of pain for all of the world but yet, two levels number one on a, on a on a more on a more on a more superficial level, we will say, meaning it's true, but not the ultimate truth that the exile is t- terrible, it's horrific. it leads to a good, and it's a type of good that you would not be able to get to without the exile. So it's a necessity, but it's an it's a necessary horror. For something that will eventually be good, but it itself is still not good. But then on a deeper level, when Mashiach will come, we will look at the exile itself and at all the suffering that we've been through and see that it was good, even though that it is utterly incomprehensible to any to any human mind today to be able to appreciate that. But a time will come when we will see that it's good. Not only we will see it's good, we will see it was the goodest good, if you can say. It is the highest good. And because it is so good and it is so high, it's, we are having a hard time to receiving it in our containers and in our vessels. It's too intense for our vessels. It's like looking at a very, very bright light that blinds the eye. So what are you facing? Are you facing darkness? And, and what you're seeing is darkness. But are you really seeing darkness? No, you're seeing light. But because the light is so intense and your eyes can't handle it, that's why it's dark. So what we are experiencing in the last 2,000 years is the greatest brightness and the greatest light. It's just that at the current time, we don't have the refinement and the purification of the vessels to be able to experience its goodness and its blessing. Well, it's amazing. The Tzemach Tzedek was the third Chabad Rebbe, Explains, you know, there is. Everybody knows the peak of the darkness of the three weeks is on Tisha B'av. Primarily, when do we feel it the most? What is the hardest moment? It's like Tisha B'av at night. It's like the beginning of Tisha B'av. I I I said it uh, many times that I I don't know why. I, like those, it's like that. An hour, like at that. As that hour comes in, I I I get like just literally, I get I get I feel so yucky. I can I, I can't stand it. It's that like as a B'Av sets in for that first half an hour, it's like it makes me literally sick. Uh, and last year I said I'm not, I, I, I'm rejecting. It. I'm not feeling that anymore, and I didn't. And I just was able to let go. I says done, done, no more. In any case, um, so what we do is we, we sit down on the floor on Tisha above, and we say echa. We do the the uh, what is it called lamentations of of uh and we read it and it's a very so- sad song tune and we're we're basically crying all the all of Israel across the entire world sits on the floor and cries for all this for all the darkness in the world. And the first one of, one of those verses over there at the beginning is Kol feha, all of her pursuers, hisiguha, hisiguha have have reached her between the boundaries in the narrows between the two walls this is the third verse in Eicham in Lamentations what does that mean? so the simple meaning is that whoever wanted to harm the Jewish people throughout all of history as they pursued us and pursued us when did they finally catch up and were able to stick their swords in when was that it was during this period of time and that is sadly a very sad truth the first temple was destroyed during that period of time Amtsara means between the narrow when we were caught between the two walls so this is a, a, a allegory for the for the for these two days the 17th of tammuz and the the Tisha B'Av. it's when the jewish people went through a narrow constraint so it's like if you're chasing someone and they have an open area, they can run in all directions. But if they go in, you chase them into a narrow alleyway, it's much, they don't have where to run. You get stuck, get, you know, basically get into a dead end. And that's really what happened. It's in between these two days, 17th of Tammuz and Tisha B'Av, that we were caught in the narrows. And as we were caught in the narrows, whoever wanted to harm the Jewish people were able to harm us during this time. So who did we have? The first, the Babylonians destroyed our temple and set and and murdered hundreds of thousands of Jews and brought the Jewish people into slavery. Um, a few hundred years later, the Romans did the same. We know the the Jewish people were were um, the date that was the expulsion of Spain, which one of the one of the worst horrors of the Jewish people in history when they were expelled when the Christian uh, uh, Inquisition. Um, 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 expelled expelled the Jewish people from Spain after they've been living there for hundreds of years and brought upon them the worst horrors, expulsion of Spain was was on Tisha B'Av again in the three weeks and we also know that the First World War also broke out during that time and as we know the First World War according to many historians is really it's not a Second World War it's just a continuation of the First World War was the Second World War which was the Holocaust so we're talking about so much of our uh, troubles happened in this time because Kol whoever pursues the Jewish people his siguha have reached us that's as long as we're wearing that's how we read it as long as we're wearing our ordinary glasses and we take off that pair of glasses and we put on the other pair even though I, like, I need that one for the reading <laughs> and we start looking with the Tzamaq Tzedek's glasses, with the, the, with, with the messianic light, with the light of the Hasidic masters who can see completely differently, who have a different vision. And they see, in every verse of Echa, they see the, they see the godly dimension. They don't see it as it's projecting here because they don't have that problem looking into the, into the bright light. They have the eyes to be able to look at the sun and not get burned. Our eyes get blackened so we see the dark explanation. They see the, the positive explanation. So what's the explanation that the Tzemach Tzedek says? He says, All of our pursuers, Who are all those pursuers? But watch this. Suddenly this whole verse gets flipped over its head. Who's pursuing the Jewish people on a high level? Who's really pursuing us? Everybody knows Psalm 23. Everybody knows Psalm 23. Jews and non Jews. It's the most comforting psalm that there is. What does it say? Only goodness and kindness will pursue me all my life. So, what's pursuing us, really? When we're running what's really chasing after us all day long what's it's god's blessings it's all the good and all the kindness Ach tov v'chesed. only goodness and all the kindness is running after us the problem is we run away from it so many times that hashem is chasing us with goodness but we're too busy on our phones we're too busy with this and too busy to that to turn around and receive the blessing every time it comes to Davin, hashem wants to download so much blessings to us but he doesn't find anybody home because we're busy running we're running here we're running there we're running this way so it's all running after us and it can't catch up with us oh the Tzemach tzedek says but in the three weeks we slow down <laughs> and then <laughs> all the real goodness all the good and kindness His have finally caught up with the jewish people when they're in between the strains, the, the straits, the narrow straits. So what's really, really, really happening is an infinite goodness. As we're soon going to see how that works. How does that work with the simple meaning? But that's really what's that's really what's chasing us. It's a higher goodness. And let's go better. Let's take Maybe the Tzemachtali doesn't emphasize that, but all goodness the word call refers to like the whole Gan Eden, it says. Um, it says, God says in Deuteronomy, in the Devarim, in the end, in Kisovo, because you did not uh, serve God um, with joyful heart, with a gladness of heart, from the much call, from the much good, from more than the abundance of everything. So in the word call, it's referring to. All literally all the goodness that exists, and all of that is pursuing us. Bainam And the tzaddik actually says Bain which means the straits. What is the real inner meaning of Bainam Why is all the goodness coming to us at that time? Because there is a level that is very, very, very high. And that level is called HaMetsar Karasika. Everybody's familiar with that verse. Min ha-metzar, from the constraints I call out to God. So what is the simple meaning of that? From the constraints I call out to God means when I'm in an inks, when I'm in pain, when I'm, God forbid, not feeling well, when I'm, God forbid, not making it, can't pay my bills, when I'm being, when I'm being you know, squeezed in my life, various different things that are really really laying heavy in my heart and crushing me so from that dark or from that difficult st- situation from that from that deep pain i cry out to you that's that's the simple meaning yeah but there's another meaning i'm calling hashem out from a level so sublime so high that it is called the words that he uses over here share with you the words that he uses um from the supernal constriction from a level the lace with no thought can grasp what does that mean from a place that is so 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 high which to it all life flow to all of creation has to go through enormous, 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 enormous constriction. Because to it, all of the universe, all of all worlds, all of reality, is just a tiny little speck. So we're reaching and reaching beyond that speck. And from that place, as it looks down, it sees all of existence as an enormous constriction. Goodness from that level, from that very sublime level, is what's reaching us but because it's such a high-level goodness what happens some it comes down in a way that to us in our physical reality in this world it is painful it's really really a higher good now what do we see where do we see that that the destruction itself the destruction of the temple and what happened to Shabbat the, the luchos were broken. The tablets were broken. Right? Moses comes down with the tablets on the 17th of Tammuz. The Jewish people made a golden calf. And Moses breaks it. And that's where the beginning of all suffering begins. All trouble begins. So, and then later, the, the city is broken into. And then later, we have Tisha above with all of its horror and all of its darkness. So where do we see the goodness? Or what's the indicate? We said the goodness we won't see until Mashiach is here. We're not a vessel for it. But do we, do we have clues? Is God showing us any clues that it's really good? So here there are two very important notions. Two very important ideas. You know that in the in the Holy of Holies, there were the cherubs. There were the Aron, the Ark. On top of the Ark, there was a cover of the Ark called the Parochas and the Kapores, which is the cover. A golden like slab of gold, a rectangle, thick piece of gold. And on top of that were these two childlike, bird-like beings. It was the face of a human and, an, and, and, the, and the body was like a bird with wings. And they called the cherubs, the kruvim. One of them was the face of a boy and the other one was the face of a girl. And the boy and the girl represented the cosmic couple. God being the boy and Israel being the girl. God is in love with Israel and that's why the sages tell us that those golden statues were actually alive and they would when 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 Jews were serving God the way they should when we were in a, in a proper state the kruvim were they'd spread out their wings and they were embracing each other like a couple embracing each other and when we were not looking eye to eye with God, when what we call it was a rocky shalom bias, our, our our marital status with God was not working too well, because God was upset at us, and we were not that tuned into him, so then they, Krubim would put down their wings, that means they weren't in a state of embrace, not only that, they turned facing their backs towards each other, So even though, again, there was no mechanics there, there was no machinery there, it was just plain gold, it was rock, it was one solid piece of gold, it was alive, because God dwelled them there. Yet the sages tell us that when, in the first temple, um, when the, the, um, what's it called again, uh, Gentiles came in to the temple, this couldn't have been by the destruction of the temple regarding what happened to the Ark. If the Ark was taken away or the Ark was not taken away. According to one opinion, the Ark was taken by the Babylonians. So this will follow that opinion. Because if you say that the Ark was already hidden 30, 40 years before, um, they knew already prophecies. They didn't want, God forbid, the Ark to fall into foreign hands. They went and they hid the Ark somewhere in a tunnel in the Temple Mount. That's the more accepted um, opinion. But the Talmud does say a story that sometime when the Gentiles came in to the, to the, into, the, um, into the Holy of Holies, they saw the, the cherubs were embracing each other. And to them, basically, they saw this as some type of a worship that Jews are worshiping some kind of a sexual type of a thing. And because of that, they said, "This is this is what the Jews are all into." We thought that they are a refined people into higher things, and this is their their. So everybody asks the question. I mean, if the Gentiles are coming in, it's because it was a, it was a time that Jews were not doing the what we should be doing, and God allowed this to happen. So why was it that the Kruven cher- that the were hugging each other, or if we're saying that this was the moment of the destruction of the Temple, then Hashem was so angry at us. So this should have been in a moment where they definitely would have found them, you know, separated from each other. But the fact that the Kruvim were in an embrace is an indication that at the very moment of the destruction was the deepest moment of love. It wasn't, God forbid, an angry moment. It was a very deep moment. There's another proof that this was a very deep moment. The sages tell us the famous story that on Tishabav, at the very moment when the temple was destroyed, Mashiach is born. The, 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 the sages tell a story that of a cow, I told the story many times, I don't really have that much time, uh, that there was someone plowing his cow far away, in the northern part of Israel, and and his cow made a sudden weird noise, and the, an Arab was walking by, I guess he was some kind of a special Arab, and he told the, the Jew, you know why your cow made that weird sound? Because at this moment, your the temple was destroyed. And therefore, you can undo your plow because you guys are not going to be staying here now. You're going to the exile. So stop plowing the earth because what's the plowing? Plowing is to make it fertile for the future. You guys are going to exile. It's not staying. That's what he told him. And then suddenly, like a minute later or two minutes later, the plow made this other second time a weird sound. And he said, you know what, Jew, put back on the harness. He said, why? Because Mashiach was born. And then the Talmud says a whole story of what happened with Mashiach. But this is is a Midrash. It talks about this Mashiach being born at the moment the temple was destroyed. So Mashiach being born is indication that it's a very, very high moment. It's a very powerful moment. It's a moment of great love. So how does it work? Is it destroyed or is it a moment of high love? Or deep love or deep connection? And the answer to that has been discussed already in many classes in the past. The answer to that is, that um, the actual destruction of the Holy Temple, and the and all the consequential um, 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 exile and persecutions and all the darkness that come about as a result of that, was not because of a distancing from God on the deepest level. It wasn't because of a distancing and a separation and a breakup in our relationship, but quite on the contrary. Hashem was seeking to deepen the relationship to a much higher level and whatever structure we had in our connection to God was considered superficial and external compared to the much deeper relationship that it was calling forth and therefore, let's put it this way, what happened in that moment was a much higher revelation was just revealed in the spiritual worlds above at the deepest point. Mashiach just arrived at the moment. Like like we say, Mashiach was born. That happened on the highest of worlds. At the deepest level, Mashiach came. And precisely because that new light came in, the old world needed to be destroyed to make room for the new light. It wasn't that because the temple is destroyed, now Mashiach has to be born. It's the opposite. Because Mashiach was really born on the deepest level, what was until now needed to disintegrate to make room for a higher light. And that's the real element. And that's why it's not just, it's not just that we ha- there is going to be a good that's going to come uh, when Mashiach comes. In the end of time, it's going to be very good. But in order to be worthy for that good, we need to appear. That's not what it means. The very darkness that we are experiencing right now is a consequence of a powerful illumination of the powerful divine revelation that is revealed so to speak that God is downloading so to speak into into the highest levels of the universe on the deepest spirituals planes and because it's such a bright light it's still burning the world down here because the world is not ready 2,000 years of Mitzvah observance during the time of exile through the hardest situations brings a certain refinement to us and to the entire world so that the world is finally ready to receive the very light of the exile itself. So it's not like when Mashiach comes, we get Geula and Geula is changing something of what we have. No, Geula is just revealing to us what the exile always was, which is this greatest blessing. It's just that we didn't have the Ability to unpack that blessing and when Mashiach comes we have grown enough to be able to unpack it and when we unpack it it's going to be good and it's going to be such a good not somewhere up ethereal it's going to be a good that even our physical bodies will be able to handle and therefore it will bring all healing in the physical plane as well. So that's the deeper story over here. And that's hinted to in the fact, as we said earlier, that the period of time is not called 21 days. It's called three weeks. Because what's its goodness? Its goodness is the third temple. Its goodness is the third. So the third temple doesn't begin when the third temple is going to be built on the temple mount. The third temple begins at the very second day of the destruction back then. That means that the whole entire period of three weeks is not darkness, it's really the greatest light. Now ordinarily, on regular years, first of all, throughout the entire exile for many, many years, we could never tap that because we were still very far away from being refined enough, and therefore all we can see was the harshness and the darkness. All all our hearts can experience is the pain and the misery We didn't have the capacity to see the light as we're inching, 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 inching closer and closer and closer, especially now, since we've already reached the entranceway of the redemption, like the Rebbe has said that we are now already at the doorway at the at the threshold of Yamosa Moshiach. So now we can redefine the three weeks and see the three weeks not as a curse. But, but as a great blessing. Now to add to that and make it even more accessible, this year it's so much more accessible because the three weeks started on Shabbos. So it never allowed the gloominess to kick in because we went immediately, we, we, we blasted open. Shabbos is a day of, of pneumius of the internal. So on in Shabbos, we see deeper. Shabbos, we have the higher eyes. Shabbos, we can look with other types of glasses. So Shabbos, we were already approached the three weeks and, and, as we said, it starts with Shabbos and it ends with Shabbos. So it's sandwiched with Shabbos. So all the dark days is all within a, 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 a three week sandwich of Shabbos and Shabbos, which Shabbos is already the lights of Mashiach. So it changes the, completely the three weeks, that the three weeks should not be seen as exile. But let's put it this way the Rebbe doesn't say it exactly like this, but the word galus starts with a Gimel, and Gimel is three. The word Geula also starts with a Gimel. Ordinarily, the three weeks could be seen as Golus. This year, the three weeks is pure Gimel, which the Gimel is number three, which is Geula. And again, so we shouldn't even see a Gimel of Golus. We should just see a Gimel of Geula of redemption. So now let's uh, let's get a better understanding. If the time would have been called twenty-one days, then we would we would only sense the harshness of it but since the time is called three weeks two things first of all number three is an incredible number as we're soon going to see we're going to continue on to explain and we've explained a lot in the past but we're going to deepen that now but in addition to that also the concept that it's called weeks versus days also something which i've never seen before this is a something really really special um when we talk about divisions of time so there is days there is months there is years and there's weeks you know it's a phenomenal thing all the other pieces of time sections of time have something very very evidently about them that makes them a a a particular section of time for example what makes yesterday different than today is the fact that it's a night and a day so you can clearly see when it becomes day again or in in, in the jewish calendar we start the day by night when a new night comes you're turning over the page it's a next section of time night and day a day now it starts again night and day so it's very clear what causes the day to be each day to be seen as a day a month Not the secular month, but the Hebrew month, which is related to the lunar system. You look, there's a new moon. So that there is a change in time, a 29 and a half day period in which the moon goes through its cycle. So every 29 and a half days, it's a new month. So there is a reason for it. The year as well, it's the four seasons, which have to do with the sun and and the, the, the relationship of Earth to the sun, which gives us the the four seasons and then it starts all over again so again there is a reason what in the world makes seven days a set of time other than the fact that god created the world in seven days now to us as people who keep shabbos that doesn't even feel right of course it's a new set of time because you kept shabbos and shabbos is like changes the whole. you have shabbos and then you go back to the week but that's because we keep Shabbos. And that's because, but without Shabbos, without the concept of a holy day that you're not working, and it's so strange, it's so amazing how the entire world accepts this concept that there is a week, and then there's another week, another week, four weeks, like four weeks in a month, but what makes a week a week? Why take seven days? Why not pull together six days? Or why not pull together three days? What changes in a week? This is clear testimony, by the way, that God created the world in seven days, six days, and the seventh day is Shabbos. And then Hashem, it starts all over again. That's why everybody, or else there's absolutely no reason for the whole concept of a week. Uh, Based on that, so what the week has is that the week really has to it. There's also one of the points the Rebbe says over here, an amazing idea. He says that the three weeks, that weeks have in them that act that nothing changes. All other sections of time have an element of change. Weeks don't have an element of change. So when we say three weeks, what are we really emphasizing? Three emphasizes the third redemption and the third temple. The fact that it's weeks emphasizes that that redemption is going to be non-changing. All other redemptions, they came and they went. All other temples... They were here, and they were destroyed. This one is here to stay. This one is permanent. This one is non-changing. It's related to the concept of week, which week emphasizes something that doesn't change because there's nothing changing. It's a section of time, but there's without a change because it's rooted in the level of Hashem where Hashem Hashem doesn't change. And that will be revealed. So that's the reason we call it three weeks. So now, um, let's connect it to this particular year three, 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 three. you see in general the reason the three weeks come out right after Shavuot if you should follow the cycle of time so you know we have the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur Sukkot and then we have the winter and we have Hanukkah and then we have Purim and then we have Pesach Passover and we have the seven-week count between Passover and Shavuos. My grandmother used to always say, I, I, I love my grandmother, Allah and she would always say in Yiddish, she would say, Zibn men, drai men, and, fia men, and this is what she would always say. And as Pesach, she would say, "Ah, oh, it's Rosh Hashanah already. She would already start preparing for Rosh Hashanah on Pesach. Because she said, it's very simple. Seven weeks you count, three weeks you cry, four weeks you blow the shofar. And you're already Rosh Hashanah. That's how you kind of divide the time. Um, But you see, three weeks come right after Shavuos. Why do three weeks come out right after Shavuos? Shavuos is in the third month. And as we discussed so many times, Shavuos coming out in the third month is not by chance. But Hashem particularly picked Shavuos, to be in the third month, which is what Shavuos? Shavuos is the holiday of the giving of the Torah because Torah is very much related to number three. So that's why it's given in the third month. The months begin, Nisan, E-R-Sivan. Sivan is the third month. It's the right month for the giving of the Torah because it's the third month. And Torah is number three. And then immediately after that, So what happens immediately after the Torah is given? What happens immediately after? Immediately after that, we come to the fourth month, but in the fourth month, instead of emphasizing four weeks, in the fourth month, we emphasize three weeks. So why do we go from Shavuos, which is the third month, and we immediately go into into three weeks? So that is on two levels level number one externally i mean on a lower level it's because god sends us the healing before the plague before the wound it's a famous statement the sages tell us hashem never allows us god forbid to get sick if not first preparing some kind of a remedy some kind of a medicine so because hashem knows he's going to give us because because we're approaching a three-week period of darkness, we need to have a, it needs to be preceded by the holiday of number three, the third month. And in a sense, we can say that because we absorb the holy three before the dark three, so the holy three of the three of, 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 of Shavuot gives us the power to deal with and not to become crushed and broken during the three harsh weeks. That's on a a simpler level. But on a much deeper level, the three of the giving of the Torah helps us break open the three dark weeks and to discover inside of them the real number three of what it really is all about. That it's not a three of darkness, it's a three of, of the greatest light. Why? How does that work? And that is because, very briefly, why is the Torah connected to number three? Why is it, why did Hashem choose the third month? And why is the Torah? You know, because really we can argue and say there's many numbers in Torah that we could say are special regarding the Torah. The Torah is one Torah. How many tablets are there? Two tablets. Um, how many books are there in the Torah? Five books of the Torah. How many books are there in the Mishnah? Six books of the Mishnah. How many uh, mesech, sechtis, How many tractates are there in Shas? Sixty. So you can find other numbers are special, but here we locked, we we got, we became so fixated with number three, but it's not me. Hashem picked the third month to give the Torah. Which means from all these special numbers that the Torah is connected to, number three is the most crucial one. And that's why God gave the Torah on the third month. And he gave it through Moshe, who's the third. And to a people of number three, as we discussed all these things, as the Talmud says in Masech HaShabbos. Why? So on the simplest of levels, why is three special? Three is special as follows. And this is, the Rebbe says, this can be understood even for a little child. Because since the Rebbe says even little children have to not take haircuts in the three weeks or not, uh, you know they have certain restrictions. So the explanation of how special the three weeks is has to be understood even to four year olds and to five year olds, small little children, as simple as can be. And the way it works is as follows: When we are become aware of reality, we become aware that there are three elements, there are three entities. What are the three entities? The first thing you become aware of is yourself there is an awareness that you exist and even a little child yeah they become aware of their own being so you know you are you are you exist and what's the next thing we would think we become aware of i like the ray the rebbe puts it in his in in his order he puts it different than i would think the next thing you become aware of is your surroundings you become aware that there's a world around you right there is a street there is a there is a city bus, there is a there is a, a Ralph's on the corner place, a shopping center, there's a bank, there's an airplane, there's a, uh, uh, you know, a trash truck or whatever they're called, uh, you know, uh, all these things, there's trees, there's birds, I don't know, there's a house, there's all kinds of, all the stuff that's, that, that make up our world. The Rebbe says, no, after you become aware of yourself, the next thing is you got to ask yourself Avram question, I mean, how did I get here? That has to be your first day. The moment you know you are now... So who am I? Who who made me? So then you become aware that there must be a a God who created you as well. So that's two already. There's you and there's your creator. I love that. There's you. The first thing, after you know you are, the next thing is you know that there is a God who created you. Okay, so now there's God and there's you. And then you realize there's also a world. There's also a world. And when you get a little deeper, you understand as follows. When you get a little older you understand a little follows. that what does it mean that you were created i was created what does that mean it means that my soul dropped into this world I, 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 I you know innately we understand that we are souls especially and that we're not of this world we are from a higher place we are spiritual beings from a higher place being created meant that god brought the soul down into a body and that's what makes us take the third part very very seriously because if it would just be about you and god this is very important if it would just be about me and god and i don't have to know of a world i just need to know about me and god then god would never have dropped you in the world because for your soul For your own personal connection to God, you did much better when you were a soul in heaven. Souls in heaven have a much purer connection to Hashem, a much brighter and a much deeper and a much more enlightened experience. Coming down in a body is very, 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 very much compromising on the purity, on the holiness, on the brightness of the soul, and it creates a lot of static in our connection to God. So much so that sometimes we go completely off the deep end. We totally disconnect from God when we are in a physical body. So we cannot say that God sent our soul down into a body just for the sake of the soul. God sent our soul into, the, into a body because God wants us to notice a third element. And what's the third element? The world. So now we have three entities. Me, you know, just, just the basic one. I exist, God is, and there's a big world there. And what's the point of these three? The point of these three is that the human being should serve as the bridge that should bridge the world with God, and all three should unify as one. Okay? That's it. There is a world, there is Hashem, but the world and Hashem are distant from each other. Because God created the world in a world in a manner where the world does not feel, sense, and experience itself as anything connecting to God. But us as humans, especially when you have a Jewish soul. So you have a higher, higher, much deeper intrinsic level of higher consciousness and an awareness of God. And Hashem sent particularly all souls, but particularly the Jewish soul, to serve as the bridge and the one that is going to connect every part of the creation and unify it with God. So the, 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 the human serves as, that, as the matchmaker, as the, as the bridge bringing together Hashem and the world and that's what three the number three signifies because what's the number three the number three is three entities suddenly end up inside one number you see if i count three uh, you know uh, three lollipops okay i have three kids i want to make sure i have enough for each one this is one this is two and this is three and then i want to write it down so there's three two ways of writing them one is to put one 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 Or another way is just to write the number three. When you write the number three, what did you just do? You took three entities and you put them into one number. So on the basic level of levels, if we say the significance of number three, which takes the three entities, the creation, the creator, and the human, who is meant to bring together the creator and the creation, putting it all into one number means they're attacked. So we can understand that three is the purpose of everything number three. And we can also understand why the Torah is number three. Because how in the world does the human being do that? Take the creation and unify it with its creator. We unify the creator, the creation with the creator through applying the Torah to the world. When, you, when we, as Jews, keep the Torah, study the Torah, teach the Torah, and 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 do the mitzvahs of the Torah with all the physical resources, beginning with our own body, and in our own home, and in our own environment. And millions of Jews do that across the entire world. And then they teach the non-Jews to keep their mitzvot, which are the Godly given commandments to the non-Jews. Eventually, every part and every person and every particle in the creation becomes connected to its Creator. So, Torah is the magic of number three. That's why Torah is given on the third day. Now, when will this all be accomplished? When will all this come together and all this will actually be connected? There is the period of time that we are working to connect everything through the Torah. But when is the time when it actually all comes together? That's Mashiach. That's in the third temple. That's why the third temple is the third temple. And that's why the ultimate redemption is the third redemption. And that also explains the three weeks. Because although we got the Torah on the third month back then, but the first time we got, and we had a temple back then, we had a first temple and we had a second temple. We had a first base, second base, and English. Those temples and and and, and, and those revelations that we had in the past which brought about Exodus from Egypt and which brought, which brought us back, which, stood, which was with us during the second temple. All these revelations didn't accomplish what number three needs to accomplish. Because it didn't really embrace the world completely. It didn't pick up the world completely. A lot of godly light was shining in the world, but it wasn't really attaching itself to the world. It remained aloof. It remained above. Or even if it did attach itself to certain parts of the world, it didn't attach itself to the entire world. Why? Because that godliness came from influence from above. It did not come from our work. It did not come from within the the creation itself. And for that reason, they were not number three. What do I mean it wasn't number three? The redemption was the first redemption. The second time we came to Eretz Israel was the second redemption. The Beis HaMikdash, the temple, was the first temple. The second one was the second one. It wasn't the third one. It wasn't the third one, not because there was the two before that. It wasn't the third because inherently it didn't have the quality of number three. It was godliness flowing from above, but it 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 wasn't really attaching. It wasn't really bringing things together. In order to bring things together, we needed the three weeks. We needed exile. We needed darkness. We needed to go throughout the entire world and reach the lowest points as we discussed in the Fabregion last week. We need to get to the United States of America. And going to America wasn't enough. We needed to come to the West Coast, which is this lower half of the United States in the sense that it's farther away from the headquarters of holiness, which is more primarily in the East Coast. We had to go to the bottom, 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 and from the bottom, 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 lift the world up. So that the lowest points are connected to the highest. That's the ultimate matchmaker of number three. It's touching everywhere and everything and bringing, bringing wherever there is and is into its connection to the other entity, which is Hashem. And who does it? We through Torah and Mitzvot. So now we understand the significance of the three weeks that its entire identity is To bring about the magic of number three, the unity of number three, which is the third redemption and the third Beis Amikdash, and ultimate everlasting unity between God and the world. So how cool is it that we are now celebrating the three weeks in the year 3,333 years since the Torah was given? I think this is so madly cool. cool. This is so off the charts cool. It's incredible. It is so, like, unbelievable. And we should be so excited. We should run and tell everybody that this is like, it's crazy. This is it. This is it. Meaning to say, I'm, I, I don't know. I, I'm not predicting Mashiach coming today. I wait for him to come today, tomorrow. But in terms of fundamental concept, everything is ready it is so ripe and if the Shia doesn't come today it's it's uh, i don't want to say but a failure on their end up there not down here we finished we're completed everything is done the world has reached its complete perfection the time of course we don't see it yet we don't see how everything in this world is so godly and everything is so perfect but that's that's an outer clip, an outer shell, which is going to crumble in a second. Once the truth reveals, it's all going to come come crashing out because there's nothing to it. It's empty. It's a pinata. The, 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 the impurity that's left in the world is just a paper, a paper thing. Nothing of substance, nothing of truth. So that's it. That's the real story of the three weeks. So may we merit that... The big three should already be revealed. And we shouldn't do Tisha B'Av in a sad state. We should do it only celebrating, rejoicing. Because because that's the truth. Because the time has come. Kiva Mo'ed. The time has come. For the Geula to take place. To be here now. So. We should celebrate. First of all, it's very important that we have an impact on this. When we feel not depressed during these three weeks, I told you earlier, the natural energy of the time is to get us down. But if we don't feel depressed, we feel enthusiastic, we feel energized, and we feel more empowered to reach out to everybody we know, to inspire them, to get them involved in doing mitzvahs, and, and we have to tell our bodies as well. That's the whole point that we're talking about over here. The soul has to communicate to the body. The body needs to know that it is not a foreigner to, to the relationship. It's not like my soul is holy, but my body is mundane. No, my physical body and every aspect of my physical body, even the most mundane earthiness of my physical life is connected to God. and even And, and it has no other... Reality, other than here, to facilitate and be a home for Hashem, and be a a, a vessel for God, because God wants the physical. And from my body, it's true about all of my possessions, is that everything in 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 my in my home, everything that every object I own, everything that you 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 come into the a person's environment, and you're reminded of holiness, and the holiness is not only when you're. You know, speaking to the person living in the home, but the holiness is etched in the walls. By what? By seeing a physical environment, paintings in the wall that's on the wall that reflect holy things. Speak of mitzvahs. Yeah, sometimes it's important to change the art that we have in our house. Instead of it representing who knows what, it should represent something spiritual and godly. Our bookshelf should be filled with holy books. The Rebbe spoke so much that on the kitchen wall there should be etched, nailed on the wall, a charity box. It should be, it should be a fixed, a fixed entity in the physical. That's the most important. All aspects of the physical world should be, you know, automatically when you walk into a place, you should be reminded by the physical structure around you to do a mitzvah. Because it is saying to you, there is Hashem, Hashem exists. And, and we are responsible to make that happen in our environment, as far as we can reach. That, 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 the, that everything that is, that, is, that is in our influence should be, should be reflective and, and, and speaking of and expressing God's truth. That's part of what we're t- that's the ultimate uh, that comes out of everything we're talking about. That's what number three is. Nothing remains up there. everything is implemented down here because the unity is complete and the unity is complete that's from the low is connected to the highest of the high and everything is merged together. So it creates the ultimate fusion of the infinite and the finite of the creation and the creator of God and the world and all of us so and that is the three weeks and we get to see this now B'chaim.